Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. I just want to welcome you to today's episode. I also want to apologize for the long length of time we have gone since our last podcast has been released. As many of you may know, my other job is as a part-time pharmacist. While at the beginning of 2021, I was called upon to actually work more than full-time to administer COVID vaccines in long-term care facilities and nursing homes. So that has really taken up a lot of my time, but I'm very excited to be back and talking with you in today's episode. So today we're going to be going over the 2021 Dirty Dozen list. We have talked about this list every year that it has come out since we've started. So this will be the third year that we're talking about it. This is put out by the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. So we're going to be talking about who is on this list and what it means to be on this list. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the NCOSE, as we call it for short, they are a nonprofit, nonpartisan, and non-sectarian organization that exposes the links between all forms of sexual abuse and exploitation. Now, their mission states, defending human dignity, opposing sexual exploitation. Now, their Dirty Dozen list is their annual campaign calling out 12 mainstream entities for facilitating or profiting from sexual abuse and exploitation. In its eight years, the Dirty Dozen list has yielded many victories and significant changes at Google, Netflix, TikTok, Hilton, Verizon, Walmart, the U.S. Department of Defense, and many more. Now, for each of these 12 mainstream entities, the NCOSE lists the problem, that is, how it is they're contributing to exploitation. They also provide the proof of their claim, which the proof is um, really detailed and extremely valuable if you're thinking, oh, I really don't think this company is doing that. They have lots of detailed proof. And then the NCOSE also lists their requests for that company's improvement, what it is that they can do better to reduce their contribution to exploitation. And then finally, they provide quick actions that you or me, the everyday citizen, can act and really help put public pressure on these entities to evoke change. Now, as brave parents who, for the most of you I know, approach parenting with a biblical worldview, it is crucial for us to not only be aware at how rampant sexual exploitation is in our society and on the internet, a lot of us think, well, we're adults and we don't come across porn. I hear about it. It's, it's really big, but it doesn't affect me. And so we think, you know, we're homeschooling our kids. We've got internet filters. You know, we only watch pure flicks, you know, whatever it is. Or maybe it is, I just, I don't watch porn. Therefore, I don't know anything about it. And it's not that big of a deal, but it really is. And it's right under our nose. And this is how our society is. So not only do we need to be aware of how these companies are contributing to it in our society, but we also need to know how to protect our kids from being exploited themselves if they are online, and how we can prevent ourselves from consuming exploited material. Now, another note I feel is important that even though the National Center on Sexual Exploitation has no religious affiliation, the work they're doing is essentially defending biblical morality. Who defined sexual exploitation as being wrong and bad and harmful? Well, we know it through a lot of research and, you know, the psychological effects that we know it causes to humans. But essentially, the author of morality is God, our creator. So even though this organization 
is not representing the Christian values or a biblical worldview. Essentially, they are defending that biblical morality. So with this background, let's go ahead and jump right in to the 2021 list. Now we're going to touch on seven of the 12 on this list as these are most impactful for, the, for you as a parent. We've done podcasts on just about all of these different entities, so feel free to go back into the older episodes and find those if you want to learn more. Okay, so number one on the list is Amazon. Now they're calling out four different aspects of Amazon. They're calling out Amazon Twitch, which is like a live streaming video game kind of website. They're saying that it is rife with sexual harassment, predatory grooming, and child sexual abuse. They're also calling out Amazon as an online retailer for selling incest-themed porn, sex dolls, photography books with eroticized child nudity, pornographic magazines, and more. They are thirdly calling out Amazon's Prime Video, which is inserting unnecessary and gratuitous nudity and simulated sex scenes into much of its original programming. And then also Amazon Web Services, which is hosting thousands of hardcore and violent pornography and prostitution websites. Now, as I said, go back to episode nine if you want to learn more about what Twitch is specifically, or you can go and read our review on braveparenting.net. The thing I want you to know is that Twitch really flies a bit under the radar of parents because it is primarily a way to live streams one video, one's video game play. Now, it's growing and expanding because of the pandemic. A lot more people are on it. But they also have several different features that are making it more known for its sort of negative effects. Their just chatting feature is really a hot mess mix of those who are looking for attention and just trying to cure boredom, those who are really looking for prey, and those looking to make money. So this feature specifically is called out for the sexual exploitation occurring there. I have been on there and I've seen everything from literally a live stream of someone's house watching kittens play to girl you've seen you can see girls in their bedroom live streaming doing whatever it is that the people who are um, joining that chat room if you will um, want her to do so it is definitely it is definitely there what they're calling them out for now amazon web services is the host of only fans now only fans is actually as itself in an, its own entity one of the 12 on the list. We're not going to talk a whole lot about that specifically. If you aren't familiar with OnlyFans, it is a website that common everyday women, and I now dare say girls, young girls, sell themselves for money. Whether they are charging for nude pictures, videos, or video chat, OnlyFans is really at the foundation of all that sexual exploitation is. And Amazon Web Service is hosting this website. Now, as far as their claims go, I do recommend that you check these out on the NCOSE website. There are screenshots, albeit many of them are censored, from Amazon.com of the pornographic books, sex dolls, and etc. that can be purchased. There's also a lengthy exposition of Twitch's downfalls and more so that you can see for yourself really the, the nature of this material. So the NCOSE is requesting many improvements, including better prime video parental controls, which we are in full support of here at Brave Parenting. Also, Twitch parental controls, again, vary for that, including minor account protections. Right now, if you're a minor and you have a Twitch account, there's not really a lot of protections for you. Now, they're calling out prime retailers to stop selling 
books on sexual exploitation, toys, etc. Also for Kindle, to reject themes that are normalizing incest, racism, and sex with children and teens, as well as sexual violence. And they're asking Amazon Web Services to refuse to host websites that facilitate the purchase of human beings for sex and abuse. So that all, um, of course, sounds really good. Now, some of that, of course, banning and rejecting certain type of content, you can say, uh, infringes on our constitutional rights. We're going to talk about all of that at the end because you may feel that way and be listening as my husband did when we talked about all of these and and feel that way. So we're going to touch on that really at the end, but I'm going to keep going through the list so you can gather all this information. Number two on the list after Amazon is Google Chromebook. Now, the NCOSC says that Google's refusal to turn on safety features for Chromebooks distributed to schools has resulted in countless students exposed to sexually explicit materials and predators on their devices. They say, quote, instead of proactively keeping kids safe, this trillion-dollar tech giant chooses to place the burden on overwhelmed schools and parents while leaving children at risk. I think all of us who have kids who use Chromebooks, who use the sort of Google suite of of apps and documents and all of that they they do at school with Google Classroom, can attest to this. It is a burden. A lot of the schools are not putting the appropriate filters on there. The burden is on the schools and the parents, and it is a problem. Now, NCOC recommends solution is that Google must default filter and apply safety tools on Chromebooks for students to enable safe learning environments for online education. Now, before the pandemic, 40 million students and educators reportedly used Chromebooks for school, and 120 million were using this sort of Google suite for education. That's kind of like the Google Classroom and all of the Google Docs. When the pandemic hit, Millions more of schools and families alike hastily purchased these very affordable laptops for their children's remote learning. Google Chromebooks were sold out in so many places as distant learning took off and more people needed really affordable laptops. Again, without filters put on these Chromebooks when they are so commonly used for children for online education, this is where the problem is. And as you may have heard us say on the podcast before, Research has found that kids are equally likely to stumble upon explicit material like pornography on accident as they are to seek it out specifically. This, and along with the fact that all the popular social media app content and messaging features is now available through web browsers on these laptops. This further exposes children to internet content they are not equipped or mature enough to handle. Again, as we've said many times, and that's a big problem. Parents don't know how to put all of these filters and controls on their Google Chromebooks don't make it necessarily easy. So whether it be a Chromebook, a PC, or a Mac, you know, whatever it is that's being distributed from the school, especially if it's being distributed from the school, we would almost likely agree that it should come defaulted with some internet filters and restrictions to actually keep kids learning and not watching YouTube videos or playing Minecraft when they should be learning. Now, a little side note, My sister is a principal at an elementary school, and their research has shown basically looking, not necessarily research, but they've looked at what the most common searches are for their elementary students on these school-issued devices. And the top thing that these kids are searching is how to kill themselves. 
That is really disturbing. Now, granted, that is just one school, but we have to recognize that when even that information is that easily accessible, not even sexually, you know, charged content, that too is dangerous for our kids. So the NCOSC is specifically asking Google to, number one, turn off the enable guest browsing and turn on the restricted sign-on. This is a device level setting that is really at the ground level of restrictions. If guest browsing is on, which is the default, then a child can sign in and out using any Gmail account. As we all know, it's not hard to sign up for a Gmail account, so kids can easily do that. And Chromebooks don't keep a web history for guest browsing. Therefore, super easy for kids to hide their web activity this way. The second thing that they are asking Google to do is to set Safe Search as default. That's for the Chrome browser. Of course, Safe Search is really an effective tool that blocks most pornographic and explicit images, videos, and websites from Google search results. So we definitely like that. The third thing is to disallow incognito mode for the Chrome browser as well. Now, incognito mode is a private browser window that won't store your search history or browser history. Now, if you set up Google Family Link, your kids cannot use incognito mode, which is good. But for those who don't have the Family Link option or you don't know how to set it up, then how to disable this really is not very obvious. So Google really needs to make this more obvious for parents to use. And then fourth is to fix shared document feature in the G Suite for education and Google Workspace. Now, may, some of you may have heard, you know, kids will share documents as a way of like this private messaging. So this essentially allows anyone who has a child's email address to share a document with them. Well, I've seen my children's Google accounts and in certain classrooms, it lists everyone in the classroom's Gmail account, their school Gmail account. So I can communicate with anyone. If I wanted to bully this person, I've got their email address. I can do it that way. Well, you can send a document of any kind to anyone you have their email address to. So predators, creeps, bullies, they can all use this mode of communication or even harassment. And moreover, schools who provide these Gmail accounts for their students often use a formula that makes it pretty easy to guess or access email accounts just knowing a child's first or last name. So that even more makes um, kids vulnerable to receiving things they don't want to receive. Now, the NCOSE does reflect that Google has made some positive changes in the past years due to a lot of pressure from outside entities, such as the NCOSE, and such as making it possible for adding Family Link to a school account. And they've also reduced the extensive amount of pornography that populates basic searches. So that's really great. So some take action steps that they're giving you is you can sign a letter urging Google executives to enable these default filtering tools to block the pornographic content on school issued Chromebooks. They also have a template letter you can use to send to your local school board and administration. I think that is fantastic. And I think it's a great thing that we all can do if you don't feel comfortable with the Chromebooks that are being handed out at your school. If you've already had an experience where your child's been exposed to something that you've not wanted them to be exposed to, this is definitely a great step to take is to use their template letter to send a letter to your school board. And most practically, they link to our friends at Protect Young Eyes. Protect Young Eyes is another organization that they really do a fantastic job and they give parents a step-by-step of how to set up parental controls on devices, including Chromebooks. So you might want to check that out as well. Now, the third entity on the list that we're going to talk about is Netflix. 
And if you are one of the 200 million Netflix subscribers across the globe, then chances are you know exactly why Netflix is on this list. There is an exorbitantly high amount of TV mature rated shows that normalizes sex, sexual violence, and the exploitation industry altogether. In 2020, the movie Cuties, you've probably heard some of the the press about that, led to a massive public outcry against Netflix for hosting such a gratuitous sexual exploitation of minors. Now, while hashtag cancel Netflix trended for several weeks, the reality is they didn't lose enough business to make it hurt or to even remove the film. They did, however, change the cover image to something less sexually explicit. So I guess that's something. Now, you can go to the NCOC website and read the details of sexual abuse scenes in some of Netflix's most popular shows. I don't think I have to go into more depth because, like I said, if you have Netflix, then you already know. And really, there's no way to not know because the autoplay trailers that they have give you a sneak peek of each show. Sometimes that can be even enough (laughs) of disturbing. You wouldn't even want your kids to watch the trailer of the show. Now, it is important to note that. The past year, Netflix has actually made quite a few positive improvements, such as strengthening parental controls, including the addition of a PIN number in order to access specific profiles, such as a parent profile versus a child profile. And they've increased the age rating in the App Store to 12 plus. So those are really great actions. You can take action yourself by emailing Netflix executives. They give you a template for that. You can also Ensure that you have parental controls established on your own Netflix account to prohibit your children from accessing this explicit content. And you can find out how to do that at braveparenting.net as well. But truthfully, if you've been appalled by the content on Netflix as much as I have, I do truly encourage you to cancel your Netflix account. Entertainment should really never come at the cost of sexual exploitation. All right, the next one on our list is Twitter. Twitter has been on the Dirty Dozen list for several years due to their rampant allowance of posts and ads for prostitution and sex trafficking. Twitter has also been sued for its involvement in and profiting from sexual exploitation of a minor, which, according to the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, is a violation of federal law on sex trafficking. News reports have also shown how pedophiles are actively using Twitter to share information about accessing child pornography that's maybe on Twitter itself or on some other website, but they're sharing that information. Now, I can personally attest that my Brave Parenting Twitter account was from, I would say, a week within having the account, was routinely spammed with cam girls, if you will, these girls who are going to webcam video themselves to me, message me, asking me for business, so much that I completely stopped using Twitter and took it off because it was really offensive. (laughs) I was appalled. I was like, I'm a business. Why would you be asking me this? And I did think to myself, if you can find me as a business as easily, surely you can target, find and target children easily as well. So if you go to the NCOSE's website, you can check out the proof, which I warn you is graphic. It's highly censored, but still very disgusting to see. I found it extremely disturbing. And then also the call to actions where you can send an email to the Twitter execs You can also share some social media sort of memes, if you will, calling out Twitter publicly. Now, number five on our list is Reddit. Now, Reddit is a popular app known as the, quote, front page of the internet. 
It is essentially a social news aggregation web content rating and discussion website. Now, the site is comprised of user-generated content and discussions of that content and sort of a bulletin board-like system. Subcategories are called subreddits, which you may have heard of. Now, members of it can vote up or down content. Now, the more upvotes a post has, then the more likely it will be to move onto the, quote, front page. Now, Reddit has become a hub of exploitation where sex buyers and other sexual predators meet to exchange non-consensually shared intimate images, hardcore pornography, and to give each other advice about how to use and abuse. So this is all stuff they have found on Reddit. The site plays host to many not safe for work, otherwise known as NSFW images, which is extremely easy to bypass as a minor. Testing the app for my Brave Parenting review that I wrote last year, I acknowledged that I was 18 years old and I was immediately presented with a close-up video of a girl giving oral sex to a man. I frankly still feel traumatized. I could not believe that is exactly what I saw. So it is truly that easy. It was one click to say, yes, I'm 18. So the problem is that Reddit claims to prohibit sexual and suggestive content involving minors, but have really no such ban on any adult content. They're only saying they're banning minors. But the site is moderated by admins who sometimes remove content or maybe they might threaten to ban a Reddit community, but they don't really ban members or stop them from signing up for another account. In fact, you don't even need an account to access the content on Reddit, really only to post content. Now, the NCOSE is asking this $6 billion company who now went public to institute strong policies to reduce sexual abuse and exploitation on their site. You can take action by sending a letter to the Reddit VP demanding they make these changes. All right, number six on our list is Discord. Now, we talked about Discord in episode seven of our podcast, if you want to go back and listen then, or you can check out the review on braveparenting.net. But essentially, Discord is a messaging app with over 100 million active monthly users. Like so many other apps who thrive on virtual communication, Discord has soared in popularity since the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, broadly speaking, Discord is known as a communication app for gamers, but it has made national headlines over the past year for its role in sexual grooming of minors and sharing of non-consensual pornography. This is the big problem because it flies under most parents' radar, kind of like Twitch. A lot of parents think, well, it's just the gaming. The gaming's okay. They're just using it to, you know, to communicate. It's not one of these top social media apps that all kids, you know, kind of, quote, have to have. Kids will tell their parents, this is just how I communicate with my friends or playing this video game. And it sounds harmless enough that a lot of parents are allowing the app without looking into it further. So the NCOSE is making the following recommendations for improvement. Develop and implement parental controls so parents can monitor and streamline their child's experience on Discord and ensure basic safety. That is really 101 for any app that a child is going to be on and be communicating with strangers. So there is no parental controls, so they're asking that they be developed and implemented. Also, automatically default minor-aged accounts to the highest level of safety and privacy available. Third, automatically ban any minor-aged accounts from joining servers that contain NSFW, not safe for work content. And fourth, detect and remove pornography better and provide more prominent and useful ways of reporting content on all forms of the Discord's interface. Now, I think it's important to remember here 
as Christians, the problem in our world is a sin problem. You know, as Americans, we have protected rights. And even as an American company, Discord has the right to continue on as they please without any regard to how it is harming and exploiting children. However, as a society, we must recognize that when adult freedoms to indulge the flesh and sinful pleasures of pornography and sexual communication in the virtual world crosses the line into predatory and pedophilia, that is illegal and changes should be made. Discord can and should really have enough respect for the developing minds and hearts of children to at least provide some parental controls for minors. It really does beg the question, do these creators and tech giants who are running these companies, do they not have any children themselves? But then I think, oh wait, they do, and they don't actually allow them to use these apps and devices that they create. (laughs) Case in point, Steve Jobs of Apple did not allow his children to use the iPad. Evan Spiegel of Snapchat doesn't allow his stepson to use Snapchat, or at least didn't at one point when he was a certain age. Bill Gates of Microsoft, numerous others in Silicon Valley are not allowing their children to use these technologies, but it really seems like it's just a free-for-all for any other parent out there who can be duped by what looks like an innocent app. So that, that is a big concern. And Discord, because of its growing popularity, I have been asked for it actually just today. Ironically, I was asked from, from my son to get Discord and we had a long conversation about this. So it's gaining in popularity, so it really needs to be on every parent's radar. And this last one that we're going to talk about is Wish. We also um, talked about Wish both on braveparenting.net. There's a review of that as well as in uh, a former podcast. It is one of the top online retailing shopping sites, and it's used by over 500 million people per day. The shopping platform was built specifically for smartphones, and it is the most downloaded shopping app in the world. They're really on par with similar sites such as Zulily and AliExpress, where they connect you directly with the manufacturer for, quote, dirt cheap prices. Now, the NCOSC reports that Wish is one of the only major corporate entities continuing to support the infrastructure of the sexual exploitation industry. Wish is the top advertiser for hardcore pornography conglomerate MindGeek's website, most popular of which is Pornhub. Now, here recently, Pornhub has come under scrutiny as numerous victims are coming forward about their sexual abuse, trafficking, and child sexual abuse being filmed and uploaded and shared countless times on Pornhub. Additionally, you may have heard Visa, MasterCard, and Discover are cutting ties with Pornhub. Since Pornhub has reported they receive 50% of their revenues from advertising, Wish knows that they are partnering partnering with the world's biggest serial explorers. Even more, because Wish sells spy cams and sex dolls for, quote, dirt cheap, it begs the question of where does it lead when these items are being advertised alongside non-consensual sex and sexual abuse of children videos on Pornhub? So the NCOSE is requesting Wish to cease business with MindGeek and all pornography and prostitution websites and to reject profits from sexual abuse and exploitation by refusing to sell items like spy cams and childlike and full-body sex dolls. You can take action by sharing tweets or calling out Wish, sending an email to their executives, demanding that they stop profiting from sexual abuse. Now, here's the deal. Again, as Christians, we don't want our materials, that is like our Bibles or books on theology or whatever that may be, censored and restricted from sale, right? 
Therefore, we really don't want to demand the government's involvement to force the restricted sale of certain items. Otherwise, a non-Christian organization can demand similarly from us, right? We like our freedoms and the Constitution allows us. So it can be a real slippery slope as to how much content you're banning and where does that lead. The best case scenario is that these companies respond to the public outcry against their behavior and actions. If you don't feel comfortable emailing the companies, nor do you want to be on Twitter in order to call them out publicly, your other very real option is to just not do business with that company. If you have the app, delete it. Cancel your account. Don't allow the convenience and service that they provide to win out over the sexual exploitation that they are contributing to. Great and positive change has been occurring through the NCOSE's Dirty Dozen list. So calling companies out publicly does bring them to task and influence all entities to contribute less to the sexual exploitation of others. Now, will it be hard to cancel Netflix? Disconnect from Twitter or restrict your children's use of certain apps? Yes, it absolutely will be. But to be frank, if you or your child was the victim of sexual exploitation, would you continue to do business with a company who's contributing to the trauma that they've experienced? I think not. These are, this is someone's children, someone's child, this is another parent's teenager, all of whom, all these people bear the image of God, and it is not okay that they are being sexually exploited. All right, so that brings us to the end of this episode. So recovering those seven entities, we are looking at Amazon, Google Chromebooks, Netflix, Twitter, Reddit, Discord, and Wish. You can find out more at nsexualexploitation.org. You can also visit us at braveparenting.net, as I mentioned, to find full reviews of these apps. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast. If you have any questions or anything you'd like to contribute to the show, please feel free to email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. And if you're listening, please, um, on iTunes, Google, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode, which I promise more are coming. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next time, go and be brave. Be brave.